I just want to uh, give a, a heartfelt thanks uh, to our teens and our children and everyone uh, who had uh, something with regard to our ministry uh, through this whole week. Uh, I think the teens that they are actually going through the journey with us, and uh, I love the fact that you all are learning and got to speak into you. Uh, I pray uh, that if the teens can get it, certainly the, the adults can, can get it as well. And so I hope that you are uh, riding, coming along with us on this journey. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, Journey 2020, we're reading through the whole Bible in a year together as a family. Uh, in every aspect, we're talking about it in small groups. We're talking about it in our teens' uh, ministry and children's ministry and everything that we do. Uh, we're discussing it on Facebook. Uh, however we can uh, engage with it, we are attempting to uh, engage with it. And so I encourage you to be a part of it. Even if uh, you haven't kept up with us, it's okay. Jump right into the middle of wherever we are, pick up, and let's go with it. Um, uh, it is not necessary. Don't feel like because uh, maybe you got behind or something that uh, you're no longer able to uh, participate. Uh, it's not necessary. Um, you can be with us. So, we've made it to the book of Numbers. <clears throat> and the book of Numbers is about, really about uh, Israel's journey through the wilderness after they have come out of Egypt. And I was reading this week, and I must be honest, I must be completely transparent. I was reading through it, and I was it was kind of depressing, right? It's a downer reading through Numbers because uh, God's wrath is on full display. Uh, people are getting it left and right because of their disobedience. Uh, they are, uh, they're, they're murmuring, they're complaining, they're idolatrous, you name it. They're in the midst of it. And God, in so many instances, he gets fed up and he, he smites people with plagues. He just opens the earth up and lets folks fall in, get swallowed up in the, in the earth. And I was like, man, this is tough. Like, I don't, I don't know if I want to get, I don't know if I want to finish reading it. That's kind of how I felt about it. And I wondered, uh, as I was reading, like, like are they going to ever get it? Like, are they going to get it? Like, it seems like every three chapters, they're falling right into the same pattern that they fell into just a few months or maybe a few years earlier. They're going through it once again. Why are you bringing us, why did you bring us out of Egypt to die, right? We don't have any water. We don't have any food. We don't have this. We don't have that. They're complaining, and, and Moses is getting fed up. Uh, the people are getting fed up. And God gets fed up too. And they never seem to get it. Like over and over and over again. And despite this, God still provides for their needs in all kinds of ways. Right? He sends bread from heaven in the morning, in the morning dew. Uh, he sends meat from heaven, uh, uh, water from the rock. He parts the Red Sea. Like in every instance, that they have a complaint, God takes care of them. And nevertheless, despite, like they got these short memories, despite God having done what he has done, they forget, right? And God has to prove himself 
uh, once again. And so I, I kind of like, uh, it raises the question for me, how do they forget so easy? Do they not believe altogether? Like, is this uh, the problem? And then I came across 1 Corinthians 10, 6 through 12, and it says this, because I really wanted to know the point because I didn't want to read it anymore. It says, now these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test, as some of them did, and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now, these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. And so what that reminds me is that really all of us are susceptible to what they went through in the wilderness. We can easily forget. We can easily find ourselves murmuring and complaining and forgetting what God has brought us through and what he has done for us. And if we're not careful, if we don't take heed, we will fall into the same trappings as they did. And I guarantee you, all of us, every single person in this place has a breaking point. Everyone has a breaking point. Every single person has a point that if God let it go there, you would potentially turn your back. Everyone has that place. But thankfully, we are kept uh, by the grace of God. Even Moses himself broke. And that's the story we're going to read about uh, today. Just this uh, temporary lapse in judgment that Moses has in faithfulness. And it has great consequences to sort of the end of his story. So turn with me to Numbers chapter 20. And I'm going to read verses 4 through uh, 13. Numbers chapter 20, verses 4 through 13. And we're going to read, we're going to read uh, a lot of scripture today, but I won't be very long. Numbers chapter 20, verse 4 through 13. Why have you brought the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness, that we should die here, both we and our cattle? There they go complaining. And why have you made us come out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is, not, it is no place for grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. Then Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell on their faces. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the staff and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron, your brother, and tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. So you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give drink to the congregation and their cattle. And Moses took the staff from before the Lord as he had commanded him. Then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. 
And he said to them, Hear now, you rebels, shall we bring water for you out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice, and water came out abundantly. And the congregation drank and their livestock. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. These are the waters of Meribah, where the people of Israel quarreled with the Lord. Meribah means quarrel. And through them he showed himself holy. And so when you first read it, you're like, what is the big deal? Like, what is going on? Uh, as a matter of fact, it mirrors precisely a previous episode in Exodus that we'll read in just a second. Why did God get so angry at Moses to the point where he tells Moses, you're going to die in the wilderness? You remember this promised land that we started this whole journey with that you were supposed to lead the people into? No, 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 no. You've been faithless to the point where you're going to die in the wilderness and then we'll go to the promised land. Seems kind of harsh to me. Go to the previous episode, Exodus 17, 2 through 7. It says, therefore, the people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted for the water. <laughs> they thirsted there for water. Oh, I got something to say about being thirsty. And the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why do you bring us up out of uh, Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah, again, because of the quarreling of the people of Israel, and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not. So what is it about this episode in Exodus that is so different from the one in Numbers that uh, God would consider Moses uh, lacking in his faith and not showing the people who he is? And uh, it's for two reasons. The one first is because Moses was just disobedient, right? And so he kind of comes uh, to this thing the same way the people are. Right? He kind of displays that his heart is in the same place as the people in his disobedience. How is he disobedient? The first time God says, strike the rock. The second time God says, speak to the rock. First time he says, strike it, water will come out. The second time he says, speak to it, water will come out. And instead, Moses, instead of speaking to the rock the second time, he strikes it. But he doesn't strike it once. He strikes it twice. And I guess he figured that if I, I struck it once the first time, right, if I strike it twice, I'll have an even better result. Now, water comes out of the rock, 
But God is very unpleased with Moses' action. Now, we said from the beginning of the journey that all of the scriptures whisper a name. Whose name is it? It's Jesus. It's the name of Jesus. Every story whispers his name. That's what we said at the beginning. But now that we're on the journey and actually going through it and reading the stories, I'm realizing that they more than whisper his name, they actually scream it. They shout Jesus through and through. So many stories that we have gone through over and over again. And if you've noticed, almost every message that I have preached, I have made direct ties to Christ in those messages uh, from the Old Testament. Every single story is screaming, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Well, how is it that this story uh, screams his name? But you know what? I found out that even Christ acknowledges that in these stories, whether you're talking about the bread, whether you're talking about the meat, whether you're talking about um, uh, deliverance from sin and atonement, Whatever it is that you're speaking uh, or reading about in these stories, that Jesus is the one who is in view. God is, un, is helping us to see that Jesus is the reason that these stories are being written and why uh, it almost seems as, as if things are being orchestrated in such a way that you and I will know that Jesus was in view when they were going through what they were going through. John chapter 6, verse 26 through 35. Again, a long passage, but I think it's worth reading. Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs. And this is after Jesus has fed 5,000, right? 5,000 uh, in the wilderness. Gave them bread. He says, you're not, you're seeking me, not because you saw signs, many his miraculous signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to, do, to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them. This is one of my favorite verses in all of the scriptures. This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do after he had just given them a sign? What sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. It is implied that their picture of who gave them the bread is Moses. But listen to what Jesus said. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So he is the son. Matter of fact, Moses, uh, when it, they're in the wilderness, he's saying that God giving them the bread from heaven was a sign. And here I am the bread of life, of ready to give life to the world. Th verse 34, then they said to him, sir, 
give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. It's amazing to me how these events parallel uh, Jesus' life. Like this is, this episode is almost as an exact replication of what was taking place in the wilderness. But instead of the bread that came down in the dew of the morning, the manna, Jesus is saying, I am he who has come down from heaven. This is your sign. Jesus says in 539, you search the scriptures, he's talking to the Pharisees, because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Understand the scriptures that he speaks of, the only scriptures that they have are what we call the Old Testament. Right? And Jesus says that you're searching through them and you're grasping uh, to them because you believe that they hold the keys to life. When indeed, these things testify about me through and through. So why was God so angry at Moses for striking the rock to the point where he would punish Moses to not even go into the promised land. It is because the rock is Christ. 1 Corinthians 10, 2 and 4 says, And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all ate the same spiritual food. And all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Christ lets us know that he is the manna from heaven. Uh, not only is he the manna from heaven, but he's also the one that provides the water, the living water that quenches your thirst. He is the rock that followed them through the wilderness. The one that was struck the first time is Christ. And the one who should have been spoken to the second time is Christ. Why is it uh, that God acts so harshly to Moses? It is because the rock itself is a picture of Christ. And it was intended to be a picture of Christ. When the rock is struck to provide life, it is no different than when Christ himself is struck and provides life to all who would willingly partake of that water. But you only have to strike it once, Moses. The second time, all you got to do is appeal to the rock to bring forth water, and it will. But what did Moses do? He goes against the picture completely that God is trying to paint, and he strikes the rock twice. God says, you're messing this up, Moses. I want the people to know that all they have to do is make the appeal because the rock has already been struck. And if you make the appeal, if you ask him, he'll give you living water, water that uh, never ends, never ceases to flow. Right? Because if he tells us in uh, John uh, chapter, chapter 5. Oh, I didn't write it down. 
I didn't write it down. Okay. That's why we, that's why it's good to have your paper Bibles. <clears throat> In John chapter 5, when uh, Jesus is talking with the woman at the well. Did I give you that passage? Okay. It's okay. John chapter 5. Uh, chapter 4. All right. <clears throat> a woman uh, from Samaria. Look at verse 7. Woman, do you have it in your Bibles? I'll give you a minute. Give you a minute. John chapter 4, starting at verse 7. He says, A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with, the Samarit with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. All you have to do is to make the appeal. If you recognize and understand that he is the rock that provides the living water, all you have to, the rock has already been struck. The rock has been smitten. The rock was hung on a cross, on a tree, for our sins. But if you realize and recognize who he is and what he's done, simply ask him for living water. And he will give you water that you would never thirst again. This is why God was so angry. This is why the picture is sort of uh, distorted by what Moses has done. What is, what is the, what is what that we can take away from this? What are the implications of this? I've got three. One, we can appeal to Christ for our needs. We can appeal to Christ for our needs. Doesn't mean that we'll get whatever we want. That is not the, the point. The point is that uh, we can appeal to him. And, and Jesus says, in particular, John chapter 14, verse 13 and 14, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Asking in his name, it keeps us connected. It keeps us in his will. It keeps us understanding what it is that Christ has for us. It keeps us from living in our flesh and living according to his spirit. Moses is an example to us, as Paul has stated, of how not to appeal to Christ, right, in our flesh, in our pride, in our complaining, in our murmuring. We can appeal to him, and he will grant us. James uh, 4, uh, 2 and 3 says, you desire. And you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. When you make the appeal, all, all you have to do is make the appeal. And if you're coming to Christ in the name of Christ, 
Christ will grant what it is that you desire from him. Because he has water from a well that doesn't run dry. Uh, Father owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Whatever it is that you need, just ask him. Um, the, the people who are in the wilderness, and even Moses himself, seem to fail and understand, especially based on what God has already done for them, that all they have to do is ask, and God will provide. That's all that it takes. You and I, if you are a, a child of the living God through faith in Jesus Christ, and you go to God and appeal to, uh, to, to the name of Christ, all you have to do is ask. It's a throne of grace. It is a throne of mercy. We talked about the mercy seat and how the blood is sprinkled on the mercy seat and it provides forgiveness and that big word propitiation, right? Meaning that God's anger and wrath is now pushed out. All we got to do is ask him. Ask according to his word. Ask according to his will. He says that if you ask for forgiveness, that he is faithful and just to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. How awesome of a prayer is that? How awesome of an ask is that? Here's another thing. There is greater accountability for God's leaders. I started not to make this point, but I think it's important to make that. Moses suffered greatly for his one act of disobedience. Right? Moses, from the time that he, he, he sort of gave excuses at the beginning, but he has been faithfully executing God, all that God has asked him to do for more than 40 years. And this one mistake, this one mistake cost him the promised land. This one mistake. Because the leadership has a greater accountability. As a matter of fact, if you are God's, you require a greater accountability. Luke chapter 12, verse 47 through 49 says, And uh, that servant who knew his master's will, but did not get ready or act according to his will, will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what, was, what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. If, if you're going to... Uh, come anywhere close to playing some sort of role in the economy of God with regard to leading God's people, understand that there is a great accountability that comes with that. I do not stand before you lightly, right? I do not uh, take the fact that some of you will refer to me as pastor lightly. Like, this is an awesome responsibility. And the more responsibility that God gives you, the greater the accountability. So it, like, it's, it's, it should be a 
fearful and a, um, a humbling thing. Whatever it is that God has called you to do. James 3.1 says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Doesn't mean you're not going to make mistakes. But understanding, if, if, you, if I were to be like Moses and willfully, willfully um, lead you astray, or turn you guys away. Because that's what God accuses him of in the end. It's what God says in uh, Numbers verse 13. Uh, verse 12, he says, And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe in me, to uphold me is holy in the eyes of the people. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. The accusation against Moses was even more so that he was leading the people astray. He was not leading them to see the holiness of God. And so some of you might think, well, why is it that Anthony would get in here and tell me about God's holiness and God's anger and God's wrath and all of these things? It is because it is true. I cannot uh, devoid the truth of the scriptures that are set before you. It doesn't mean that I ignore that he is loving, that he is compassionate and merciful. But you need to understand the whole counsel of God and who he is. Amen. See your sin for what it is. That it is a detestable thing before God. So bad that he sent, he sent his son to die for our sin. That means the next time that you have that thought going astray from God. Understand that Christ died for that. The next time that you think about putting your eyes upon something unholy, Christ died for that. The next time that you want to open your mouth and say something to someone that you should not say, that's unloving and uncaring, understand that Christ died for that. The next time you look at somebody with the kind of judgment that Christ uh, commands us not to judge people with, understand that Christ died for that. Christ died for sin because God is holy and it was necessary. See yourself in those lights. And here's my last point. Christ satisfies completely. So you're thirsty. Your life seems to be unsatisfied. You're searching. You're trying one thing after another, after another, after another, and nothing seems to work in your favor. Don't know why things are not getting any better. Why do you have this empty feeling that you could just pour a whole Niagara Falls into and it would never be filled up? It is because there is a God-sized hole that exists in the soul of every single person. And the only person who can fill that hole is Jesus Christ. He is the only one who can satisfy completely, thoroughly, so that when you're going through something, right, it doesn't mean that you're not going to, like, get upset or you're not going to question some things. But in the end, 
It all comes back to Jesus. And he whispers a word in your ear that satisfies you. He sends someone your way to tell you that God loves you. And he is there for you to bring you through whatever it is that you're going through. And it satisfies you. And he doesn't just do it once. He does it time and time and time and time and time and time again. The bread just keeps coming and coming and coming. The water just keeps coming and coming and coming. And all that we have, God just fills us up. And if you stay in them and if you uh, meditate and just be right there with them, he'll fill you up overflowing so that when the time comes, people will look at you and say, how in the world did you get through what you're going through? And you can say it's all because of Jesus Christ. And I got it overflowing. I got some for you too. I got some Jesus for you too. Have a little water. Take a little bread. He satisfies completely. Overflowing. He satisfies completely. Who wouldn't want a God like that? Who wouldn't want a Jesus like that? The rock has been struck. All you have to do is make the appeal. Christ is there for you. Pray with me. Lord God, it is in the name of Jesus that we come before you on this day. God, to appeal for your presence, to appeal uh, for your glory, to appeal for your holiness, uh, your righteousness, to make us like you in every single way. Fill us up, Lord. Make our cup overflow with your goodness. We love you for who you are. You are so good to us, God. Better than we could ever be to ourselves. You provide so much in every aspect of our lives, in every time of need. Even when we need correcting, you are there for us. You keep us on the path. And Father, I thank you for that. Thank you for that. I thank you for who you are and for what you have done. And it is in your name that we pray. Amen. Put the last slide up for me. I want to make the appeal to you to call on the name of Christ. Maybe you're sitting here and you're struggling on the inside and you're wondering, what is it that I do next? Right? What is it that, what step do I need to take? Because I feel it. I feel the tug uh, by God on the inside. Maybe you just have some questions that you need answers for to take you to the next step. And there are three ways in which you can ask those questions. You can fill out that little card that's at the bottom of the uh, program. You can ask your question that way. You can send me an email at anthony at bridgenox.com. 
you can send it to John at john at bridgenox.com. You can come up to me after service is over and ask me anything that you want to ask me, however you need to ask me. Maybe it is that you want a relationship with Jesus Christ. Same deal. Same three options that are available. You can uh, come and talk with me personally, and I can walk you through what it means to have a relationship with Christ. I can take you through those steps. You can fill out the card, and we'll get in touch with you just as quick as we possibly can. And if you can't help yourself and you need to run down here right now, come on. Maybe you want to be part of the Bridge family because God is building something special. It doesn't have to be faith promise big. It just has to be who God has made us to be and for us to live in it. If you want to be a part of this family, again, you can fill out the card. You can come and just talk with us. We'll walk you through the steps, whatever the case might be. Maybe you just need prayer. Now, prayer is a little, little bit different because we have the prayer bridge in the back where you can write your prayer on the card, roll it up, stick it inside the bridge, and someone this week will pray for your prayer request multiple times this week. You can come to us and we will pray for you. As you saw today, we had a time of prayer. It's available 24-7. 365. Anytime you need prayer, we are here for you. Anytime. Let's stand up and let's worship together.